0: Children can be dismissed to children's church. The rest of you can turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We're kind of interrupting our uh, ser- series on Revelation to just uh, this week uh, doing something just kind of a heartbeat of mine as we think about being a family uh, that uh scripture-focused, the disciples in grace and truth, to, to impact people for the gospel. And the idea of telling stories of grace is kind of a, a heartbeat of mine in regards to that, and you'll see that as we go through that. Um, and so that, that we're just touching on that this week. And the next week, um, we're looking at, uh, well, John Boyd and um, James Taylor and their families will be with us. they their missionaries, two of our missionaries, both to South America, one to Brazil, one to Columbia, and they're both going to be with us next week, and so it should be a great time with them hearing about how God's been working in their lives and ministries, and uh, just uh, challenging us to consider uh, missions and, and how God, God's working in our lives as well. Uh, so uh, just kind of catch catch us up, maybe remind us of, we talked about telling the stories of grace in August a little bit, and we talked about, we we kind of looked at noticing the gap from John nine and and the fact that, that there 's a gap oftentimes between uh, what God does to us and how He reveals his glory and and what he 's doing in the situation and, and so we have to trust the shepherd a lot of times and telling stories of grace is to is to notice that gap and pay attention to it and see what God is going to do in the midst of it. We also looked at Noah and the common grace that we all receive is blessing but at the same time uh, the the, the, the things that we really need are that revelation from God, the grace of our revelation, to know his plans for us, to know that he's with us, his presence goes with us, and that he is giving us a new name, his own name. And uh, and that's grace that, that helps us regardless of the blessings or the trials in life, which we also looked at from John 11, the grace in suffering through delays and sorrows that, that we know God loves us. And... Uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, we're looking at, uh, from a slightly different angle, the angle of kind of, of discipline, what, what God does in our lives to discipline us, to guide us and direct us. And we live in a world where people, uh, they call it deconstructive, deconstruct, that is they, they, they take what they, they were taught or what they believe and they, they pull it apart. And some sometimes they put it back together in ways that are honoring to God and sometimes they throw the whole thing out, right? And they... they not just deconstruct but destroy their faith and and we and we see lots of different reasons for that sometimes as to why that happens but I think a lot of times the discipline of the Lord is something that Hebrews Hebrews is, as a whole is dealing with this idea that people uh, this isn't something new. People leave the faith for a variety of reasons. And in uh, the, the book of Hebrews, the, the, the writer of Hebrews is dealing with it. He's challenging his, his audience and saying, this is what you need to believe in. This is what you need to hope in. Um, and he, as he comes to Hebrews chapter 12 the end of his argument, so to speak. He talks about the discipline of the Lord. He says this in verse 5 of chapter 12. um, He says, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives it is for discipline that you have have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? He goes on and says basically, if you don't receive discipline, then in a sense you're illegitimate. Like Like you should expect discipline in your life. And when we think of discipline, especially in that context, we think usually of negative things like, okay, I'm doing something wrong and I get, you know, disciplined. I get corrected. And that's true that that happens, but uh, if you think about a parent raising their child, they're often not so concerned on the negative side, they're actually concerned on the positive side. They want something to be produced in their children's lives. And sometimes when we face this passage is like this and we we think okay or we we, uh, consider hard times in our lives and we and we think to ourselves well maybe God is disciplining me but I can't think of anything I'm doing wrong really like I can't think of any you know egregious sins that God is trying to correct by this situation that he's bringing into my life and I think that's so then sometimes what happens is you start like trying to really nitpick your life and pull it apart but I don't think that's the point a lot of times, not even in this passage, as we'll see. It's kind of more like uh, my kids, when, I, when I'm raising my kids, I'm not, I am concerned that they behave correctly, but I'm more concerned that, that I bring things into their lives that help them consider who they are, who God made them to be, and, and how they're growing and developing and considering Oh how to live in, in, in the world in which we live, and one of the ways that I've done that in various ways with my kids is uh, we, we play soccer, but we also, we also encourage a uh, roughing, roughing uh, soccer, and so roughing is not my kids' favorite thing to do, to be honest, right? Like, who wants to tell everyone, adults included, that this, you know, this call is the way it is, Right? Uh, and yet, so we introduce them into refing and say, "Hey, we're going to try this." Now, no some of my kids liked it and did well at it. Some of my kids didn't like it and didn't do well at it, and that's okay. The the goal was not to be like you've got to become a good ref. That was not the goal. The goal was to say, h- "How? H- what does this teach you about yourself and what you like and what you don't like? And also, can you learn from the process of of having to learn something new and be faced with something new?" Because you, you need to understand something about how the world works and who God is in the midst of this world, and and so we're going to go through this process of learning how to ref and refing a few games. And um, if you if you decide, hey, I hate this, then okay, fine, we'll try something else. But at the same time, you're going to go through the process. Does that make sense? And in Hebrews chapter 12, this is what the writer of Hebrews is getting at. He's saying God has you on a process. He calls it a race earlier in Revelation, in verse chapter 12, Hebrews 12, here he calls it the the discipline of the Lord, this process of discipline. And and he's saying in this process, don't, don't jettison the process, don't leave the process. You think back to Hebrews chapter 11, the great heroes of the faith, but in each Each of their situations, they were they were handed a a challenge, a difficulty, and it wasn't because necessarily they were sinning. I mean, that's not usually what's brought up in Hebrews 11. It's that God is doing something else in their lives. He's working in their lives. For instance, Hebrews 11 verse 8, right? By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inherit an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Here's the discipline of the Lord, in a sense, right? He's saying. Abraham, leave where you are because I'm giving you an inheritance. God wants to create something greater and bigger and more in his life. And so he says, you got to get uncomfortable for a while here. You got to go through this process of leaving your home, moving to another place, not even know where you're exactly headed and following me step by step through the process. And when we consider God's work in our lives, it's more often like that Then it's more like, "Hey, you messed up over here. Fix it." Does that make sense? Uh, Another Hebrews eleven by faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the passing, the fleeting pleasures of sin. Here again. Moses, he's more, God God puts Moses in the situation. Why? Because he wants to draw something out of Moses. He wants to draw leadership out of Moses and passion out of Moses and direction out of Moses, like saying, you know what? Egypt isn't all where it's at. There's more that God wants to do in the nation of Israel and more that God wants to do in my life. And when we come to Hebrews 12 and we we look at our own lives and we think about the grace of, of God in our lives, sometimes we we view the difficulties that God puts in not as grace, but as barriers. Not as not, not as uh, we, we say, this isn't a blessing. This isn't something that God's good that God's doing. We're saying this is terrible. This is awful. I want this out of my life, and we try to e- eject <laughs> the trial. We try to e- eject the the the. The pattern or the movement in our lives, and in the process we miss out on the grace of God and that's his point here in verse in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 12. So just notice what it says here and it, or it says, "Therefore lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees." Now it, this is something that's missed in English because your is usually. A singular "your" like you're talking when you talk to you. I'm talking to you and you and you and you. But in Greek, you have a corporate "you." Okay, so when it says here to lift up your drooping hands and and your weak knees, he's actually talking to the group. He's actually saying, "Look out for the people in the group that, as they go through the discipline of God, start feeling weak, start wanting to reject." The, the process he says and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed you can see that from the context is corporate because every application is a group application he says strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord see to it that as we seek to tell stories of grace in our lives, what I, what I want to get across is that one of the things that ha- is happening as we tell stories of grace is we actually help one another to endure and go through the process and see the fruit of what God is doing on the other side. And so we need to kind of, this is, here's my goal this morning, is to seek to help one another Endure. Seek to help one another endure by three things, all right? The first one is by acknowledging God's discipline. By acknowledging God's discipline. Again, verse 11 of chapter 12 says, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Think of something that you've had to learn that's new to you. and and the process of learning something new right there, there there's a kind of a fumbling that goes with it right and there's a there's a process where you're like okay i don't know the parameters i don't know how this works and you're trying to learn a, a, some uh, maybe a few physical skills and a few mental perspectives all at the same time and it and it doesn't does not work too well you know i i coach soccer and and you you especially as they make a transition from one stage of soccer to the next stage of soccer and learning some different skills that go with it and yes they can they can know how to kick a ball but they can't they can miss kicking the ball because their brain's thinking about so many different things and and there's this process that we go through to learn something and what God is saying here in Hebrews 12 is, God puts us through processes where we learn some things and we go through some things, but the goal is, even though it feels painful and hard and uncomfortable at the time, the goal is the fruit of righteousness, that, that, that we would be able to be a blessing to those around us, that we would be an encouragement to those around us, that we would be able to help those with the help that we have been helped with. And so as you go through the difficulties of life, you have to keep reminding yourself the question, what's the why? 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 What's going on here? And not the why and as in is what, in what's God doing here, because you're not going to know that, like specifically a lot of times, at least initially. But the why of why am I going through this process? Why am I willing to, to seek God in the midst of this process? Why? Because God knows what he's doing, and he's working something in my life. God is doing more than getting me to toe the line or stop doing the wrong thing he is asking us to live by faith and demonstrate that faith just like the heroes of old like Moses and Abraham and David we have to live that same kind of faith out and I don't know about you but that can be hard times I know in my life uh, I'm going through something new for the first time oh I, mean, I did it a long time ago. Um, when we were first married, Amy, my wife and I we both worked jobs at the time, but that quickly changed uh, and then she hasn't worked because she's been raising kids for the last several years you know and now in the last in the last semester here she started a job right and you know what it's it's painful to learn how to you know, like change roles a little bit, right? Like now she's working. She's not available. I've got to take some things. And and th- there's a side of me that's like, I don't like this, right? I wish we could go back to the way it was. I wish I didn't have to do as many dishes like I do now. I wish I didn't have to do as much laundry as I do now. I, I wish that, uh, that, you know, she would be available to me as much as I want her to be available to me, and she's not. And uh, and, you know, it's painful. It's painful for her because she's learning some new things, too. It's painful for me. And and we don't like it. And the temptation is, right, is to to go to things that kind of take the comfort, bring you. So, like, I have found in my life that, like, I'm, I'm getting on my phone more, right? You know what I mean? Like, I'm just going to get on YouTube and, you know, watch stuff about wars, you know. Because I'm in one and I just, uh. I'm going to be reminded. I'm not really in one, you know. And, and, and you, so you, you, but the point of doing that was not, it was not to see the grace of God in my life, not to submit to that process. The, 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 my point was I was trying to escape more often than not, right? I was trying to to forget about my problems and or, or justify my, pursuit of things because ultimately i was struggling to embrace the grace of god in my life right to like to to learn to to grow from what god is doing now in my life learning because god god wants to do something more in my life through this process of her and i working than just than just me keeping the same kind of relationship with her that i had and that's part, so one of the things that I had to do this week was, you know, as i working through passage and reminded of this, is I had to repent. I'd be like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, right? Like, like I've been avoiding you and what you're seeking to do and just lamenting, in a sense, all the things that are hard about my life. Not that it's terrible, you know, but you know what I mean. And, and I'm seeking to. I'm focusing on all of the problems I have, and not considering that if I change and grow and seek to follow you, that good that you're, you're doing something more in my life. You want to have some more skills in my life, you know. Evidently, I need to learn how to do laundry correctly, you know. After all these years, <laughs> I, I need to learn uh, more than that, I was a joke, okay? <laughs> uh, uh, but more than that, I need to learn how to to. To consider different issues and things going on and how do I respond to those and how do I work through those? Why? Because I need to acknowledge God's discipline in my life. Like for me to endure and for you to endure and, and frankly, my acknowledging of God's discipline in my life helps you endure. Right? Because we all realize that, that we have either the chance of Kind of rejecting the grace of God and rejecting the discipline of God, and saying, "I don't want to go through this process. I want to just kick it out of my life and kind of go back to the way it was, and not not have all these diff- but not all have all these opportunities. Because frankly, I've got way more opportunities to bless my wife right now than I, in some ways, I've had in the past. So, which is it going to be? And if I embrace. What God is doing in my life, if I embrace the challenges God is placing there, I get to see God work in my life. I got to see God God provide in my life. And that's the, the second part that he brings up here is that if we embrace it, we don't miss out on the grace of God because to endure well and to help others to endure well, we need to not miss out on the grace of God. Notice what he says again. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet. So you say, well, how are we supposed to do that? How are we supposed to lift up our drooping hands and strengthen our weaknesses, especially if it's kind of a metaphor for something we do as a body? Well, he says we, well, to lift those things up, he says to make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. So we need to make straight paths for our feet. We need to put our ways, ourselves in ways that that are clear and and before God and and submitted to God, right? that, That makes sense. But how do we do that? Well, then He just keeps going down the line here. So to do that, we strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And say, okay, well, how do I strive for peace with everyone? Well, if you take that phrase and you circle it and you go down to Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 through 5, that that tells you how you can strive for peace with everyone, okay? He says, let brotherly love continue and watch out for prisoners and watch out for uh, care for strangers and... Remember to keep marriage holy and don't get caught up in love for money. And those things help you to pursue peace. But generally speaking, we try to, try, try to have good relationships with people so that the whole body can be blessed. But he also says we need to strive for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. This is kind of an interesting phrase because usually holiness is unqualified. It's just we should strive for Holiness. But here it says specifically in the Greek, the holiness. And what is the holiness? The holiness that's qualified by those who can see God. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, I think, in the again, since he's just working his way through here in a logical order, it's, he says, see to it no, no one fails to obtain the grace of God. And, and so the holiness without which no one will see the Lord and missing the grace of God are connected. So it's not this perfect holiness, like, okay, I've got everything right, and I know that God will stop disciplining me if I get everything right. It's this holiness that recognizes that grace of God is in the midst of what is going on in my life. The grace of God is here with me. In the Bible Knowledge Commentary, he just makes this comment, the author may also have in mind that the thought of the, the thought that one got, one's perception of God, even now, is conditioned by his real measure of holiness. That is, that is, you, you can only see God if you can see him. And it's, it's that holiness that says, I believe God is for me. Right? Because you can go through life and, and think, okay, I've got to do all the right things. Do all the right things, God. Do all the right things, otherwise, God is upset with me. But if you are in Christ, if you are forgiven of your sins, if you have received the, the assurance of His love and forgiveness in Christ by His death and resurrection on your behalf, then God is for you. Romans 8 is clear on this as well, right? Romans says that. If God be for us, who can be against us? And then he goes on to say, if God God is willing to give up his own son for us, how much more will he, in a sense, give us everything we need? And I ran into a quote this week that said, in in Paul, grace is explained. He's he's explaining grace. This is what grace is. In Hebrews, grace is presupposition presupposed. That is, he doesn't explain it. He's just like, this is, this is the the environment we operate in. Do you operate in the environment that God is for you? That God is with you? That God is like a loving father coming alongside of you, like, hey, let's learn about reffing together, you know what I mean? You don't have to do it on your own. We'll do it together, and we'll learn some things about this, and how it operates, and how it does it. So that, why? So we can, so we can learn more about life and how, how the world works and how, how we can have a better relationship. And This is what I think he means when he says, the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. You cannot see God if you do not realize that he is for you. That if you come to him on the basis of Christ and what he has done for you on the cross, that God is for you. He is not against you. And so this idea here, it says, don't miss out on the grace of God. See, too, that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. This, this word here, I don't like this translation because it, it feels like I've got I've to like pay for grace or I've got to, you know, you know, hold on tight to grace. The word here is the word for, it means either one of two things in, in Greek, either being absent or lacking. The idea of being absent is just like, you think about it, like like, you know, a teacher's taking roll call. <laughs> you, know, you know, Will Hatfield, you know, present, you know, or absent, right? I didn't show up to class today. I'm absent. That kind of missing out on the grace of God. Or the idea of lacking is the idea of you don't see it. And both of those have the idea that as you look at life, in a sense, you see a glass that's half empty, like, there's something missing there, and you're missing out on the grace of God, and he's saying this, as, as we go through life as a body of believers, we need to look around and be like, who's not seeing that the glass is half full, so to speak? Not in a just positive thoughts kind of way, but in the sense of God's grace is in the midst of what we're going through. God's grace is in the midst of, of, of what, what's happening here. This is not outside of the grace of God. This is, this is the grace of God working in our lives so we 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 become absent to it potentially and he uses two illustrations of what he means by this as he goes along here he says see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of god or misses out on the grace of god he says that no root of bitterness brings up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled so what does he mean by this? Well, this is a, a reference to a, a couple of verses in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 29 says, "Beware lest there be among you a man or a woman or a clan or a tribe." So again, it could be an individual or a group, whose heart is turning away today from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of other nations." Like basically turning the back on God and His grace and feeling that there's something else, there's something better to worship, there's something better to follow, right? Beware lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit. There's the reference, right? One who, when he hears the words of this sworn covenant, blesses himself in his heart, saying, I shall be safe, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. This will lead to the sweeping away of moist and dry alike, and there's that reference to many become defiled, right? So what's, what's he saying here? Well, he's saying one of two things, Maybe probably both. He's saying sometimes people are, are seeking to move away from God. They don't really want to follow God and love God. They, they want to do their own thing and go their own way, and they're finding other things to worship, like money. Like, I'm, if I have money, I'm good. And that creates this bitterness. Why? Because if God, you know, if I'm trying to worship money and God denies me money, then I'm mad at God, right? I'm like, God, you know money would be good for me. I mean, if just more of it would be great for me. Why are you denying me money, you know? And so we, this heart of bitterness starts to spring up in, our, in, in your heart or in, in a group of people even where you're like, God's not giving us what we want. We're missing out on the grace of God. But the reverse could be true too. It could be someone who's saying, he says here, I shall be safe though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart like i'm like i'm doing the right thing and if i'm doing the right thing then god can't bother me basically okay it's it's the person who's saying who would say about money you know what i'm sacrificing i'm tithing i'm uh, i'm i'm being generous with my money so if i do that god can't like make it you know god can't cause inflation to happen you know what i mean God can't, you know, cause me to lose my job. God can't make, di- won't, can't, or won't, shouldn't let difficult things come into my life because I'm doing the right things. And the point here, too, is that causes this heart of bitterness to spring up. Why? Because, because when God does it because he wants to do more in your life than just teach you about money and how to be generous, you, you can become bitter like, God, I thought I was good on money. I thought I learned all the lessons I needed to learn on money. And so you need to, you need to stop what you're doing because I've learned it all, right? And God's like, nope, 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 nope. I'm not even doing something about money here, but I'm using money to do something else in your life. And, and you need to understand that and you need to you know, see the grace of God. You need to see the, my grace in your life. And so, uh, it's it's one of those week where you know where you have conversations with people and they fit your sermon really well. Uh, I I got a chance to talk to Nate Thornton and we were talking and I was like, can I share what you're talking about with with congregation? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. So Nate he's he struggled some with like addiction. He's had some struggles with addiction and. Uh, and he's, but he's going back to church, and so we were talking about it, and he's like, yeah, I went to church, and I was talking to somebody there at this church, and, uh, and, and it just seemed like they, they put me in a box, you know what I mean? Like they, they, they didn't really want to deal with who I was anymore, they just wanted to like put me over here in this box and not really deal with who I was. And what God was doing in my life right now, like the problems I'm experiencing right now, they just want to kind of, okay, I mean, you know, how we do it sometimes. We all do it, right? Sometimes we like talk to somebody and like, oh, you fit over here in my life. You know what I mean? How that works. And, and, and so he was talking about that and he was saying, yeah, when it seems like sometimes what Christians do is instead of embracing where people are at and just helping them to see the grace of God where they're at, they're like, well, I can't. I can't. Uh, I don't really want to deal with you, and 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 I'm just gonna push you out. I'm just gonna say, here's the box you're in, and I'm gonna be over here. And and I was like, yeah, I, I, it just resonated with me because I was like, yeah, it's it's kind of like, in a sense, spiritual heroin, where we just we just want to be comfortable. And I was telling him about how I was confessing my my lack of, you know. Wanting to embrace the grace of God in my life. And it's like, we just want to be comfortable. And so we go after things that make us comfortable, especially when God is trying to say, No, I'm trying to make you uncomfortable right now. I'm trying to move you through something. And, and parents, just, just be aware. Well, like, you can bring your kids to church, and it's good to bring them to church. I'm not saying don't do that. <laughs> Let's just be really clear here. But I am saying there's a danger there's a danger of bringing your kids to church and making them feel like this is normal. I go to church, I feel comfortable about my, my life, I comfortable about where I'm at, and, I, and once I kind of check that off my box, like, God, I did what I was supposed to do, then God won't mess with me. God, and, and, we, and then when hard things come in and, and challenges come in, they feel like, God, why are you doing that? Because I was at church and I was comfortable. I, and, and we, we substitute Comfortable form, like of Christianity, for really embracing a relationship with God. Does that make sense? Because that's what he's saying here. He's saying if you substitute like your idea for grace is God just God God blesses me. He makes my life comfortable. He makes my life happy, and everything's good as long as that's. If you substitute that for the real God, who He's interested in doing so much more in our lives. It's like, hey, let's, I'm gonna engage, let's do something fun here. <laughs> you might not, this will be a little uncomfortable, but let's do it together. Let's ref. You know, I, I've refed with my kids. And it's uncomfortable. You learn something through the process. And so he's saying here, don't, don't miss out on the grace of God. Don't be someone who thinks they can just be safe if they follow all the rules. He also gives another example here of Esau. Says that no one is sexually immoral or or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he was desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Now we we focus a lot with Esau on the fact that he made this kind of instant decision, right? That if you remember the story, right? From Esau, he he comes home after a hunting, and he didn't. He, didn't find anything to kill. He doesn't have a meal. Jacob's prepared this soup, and he's like, "Give me the soup. I'm hungry. I'm gonna die if I don't eat." And Jacob's like, "Uh, well, you know, it comes with a price, right? Like your birthright. Just give it up. Who cares, you know?" And uh, so, in the the heat of the moment, so to speak, Esau sells his birthright, and and Jacob <laughs> Jacob gets the birthright, and 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 then Esau doesn't like that he sold it, right? And, and it talks about that here. And and the, the, a lot of the focus, especially if you're in children's Sunday school, is the focus on the heat of the moment thing, because for kids, right, <laughs> the decisions they make in the heat of the moment matter. It could be problematic. But the focus here is not on the heat of the moment. The focus is on there is only one birthright. The focus is on the fact that there's there's only this one thing. This was God had a plan for blessing Esau. It was the, this plan to, to give him a birthright and to, and to and give him a covenant and to keep that covenant going with him. And Esau was willing for a meal to trade it away. And it's like he's saying, it's just when he says no, found no chance, it's not a time issue. It's a place issue. It's, there's no place issue. For repentance. Why? Because there was no way to get the birthright back. Once you sell the birthright, there's nothing else. And this is a common theme all the way through Hebrews. Of, He's talking to the Jews. And he's like, well, you had the law and now you have Jesus and you're rejecting the law and then you rejected Jesus in a sense. So you, you, you don't expect God to give you something else after Jesus is the point. And. Acts 4.12 echoes the same thought, right? It says, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name among heaven given among them by which we must be saved. And, and the point here is that Esau was willing to say, you know what, I find no grace here in a sense. He's missing out on the grace of God. Not in the sense of, not in sense of oh, I want, in the heat of the moment, I want this meal. No, in the sense of, you know what, the birthright I have just isn't that valuable It's not that precious to me. And in the heat of the moment, in the heat of pressure, when you're feeling God working your life and he's doing something new and you're like, I don't like this. This feels hard. This feels difficult. I've I've got to change. I've got to learn some things that I don't really want to learn or I didn't plan on learning right now. We can say, just like Esau, there's no grace here. This isn't really where God's grace is at. It's somewhere else, something else, someone else. And he's saying here, don't miss out on the grace of God. He's saying, this is his whole point, right? See to it that no one misses out or lacks the grace of God. That as you look at your life, you, you don't see the grace of God. In the, in the good things, man, look, at this this is awesome. God gave me this. And in the, in the challenging things, look, God's, God's doing something here. I don't fully know what it is, but I know that I, he's doing something in his life. He's growing something in me that I don't have yet. <laughs> and he's trying to produce it. And I don't know, obviously, I've been there multiple times. I don't know about you. But God's grace is doing something in me that I don't expect. But he's still doing something. And I need to see it as grace. And not miss out on it. And so, that brings us, in a sense, to telling stories of grace. Because here's where he goes. He says, for you have not come to what must be touched, Blazing fire and darkness and gloom and tempest. He's referring to Mount Sinai. They came to Mount Sinai to receive the law, and it was terrifying. It says, verse 24, they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. He said, Moses even said, this is terrifying. He says, this, is, this isn't who you've come to. This is, you don't see... You, that might be where the the grace of God was in it, but that was terrifying. But that's not what you've come to. What have you come to? But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable angels in festal gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. He says, look at, all the, look at what we we're coming into. We're coming into heaven and grace, and we're receiving this mercy from God. And these kind of are dyads together. But think of it here. Jesus is the meteor of a new covenant. A sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Well, what did the blood of Abel speak? It spoke vengeance. It said, I, I, des- I deserve vengeance because I was murdered. What did Jesus' blood say? I was murdered but it was for everyone else. I'm offering forgiveness. That's grace. He comes to us and he says, unconditional, unearned, favoring kindness is yours because of Jesus. This is what you're coming to. You're not coming to, well, if you do everything right for 50 years, I'll let you into heaven. Or if you give all your money <laughs> so that... <laughs> You have nothing left. If you're just poor, then you get to heaven. What he's saying is is I'm offering myself to you freely as a gift. Will you receive it? Will you receive the grace of God? He goes on to say, right? He compares the, the, the process of discipline to an earthquake. He says, See to him that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Yet the phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, the things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. He's saying, God's discipline is like an earthquake in your life, and he's getting rid of things that just don't matter. He's getting rid of things that, just, that, are, that are helping you, hindering you from seeing his grace and mercy in your life. He's, he's getting rid of things that, that you think are really important, but actually are hindering you from seeing God's grace. And he's shaking it up. And the question is, will you see the, that shaking as a good thing? Or the terrible thing. We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. There's something greater that we're receiving. Parents, we need to tell stories of grace. You need to talk about God's answers to prayer in your life. But you also need to talk about the times when you're like, God's doing something here. He's shaking up our family. He's shaking us and doing something here. And And let's 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 walk through this together. Let's let's see what God's grace is all about here. Deuteronomy six talks about this, right? As you're going, as you're on the way and as you're lying down, as you're as you're sitting to eat your meals, is as as you're going through life, talk about God's grace, the grace of forgiveness. The grace of home, right? We're, we're headed for an eternal home. We might be wrestling with our home here and we've got to fix it up or got to, we're enjoying it at the moment, but there's a greater home coming. We have the grace of justification that, yes, we, we want to justify how, how we operate and how we do, but we have something much greater that God justifies us in Christ. If you're mentoring or discipling, are you telling stories of grace? The, the stories of what God is doing in your life, the way that you're seeing God shake up your life and saying, look, this is what God is doing. I don't know everything that God is doing, but I know this. He loves me. He is with me. He is for me. I say, well, what if I don't know? Again, he's just saying here, he's saying, don't refuse him who's speaking. Just keep listening to God's voice. Keep noticing God's grace. So I guess the next steps this morning are are just, first of all, are you staying in the grace of God? We're all tempted to kind of pull the eject lever (laughs) and miss out on the grace of God. Like, I don't like this. I don't want this. I have to change. I have to grow. I have to see what God's doing. I I, want to go back to the way things were. No, don't miss out on the grace of God. Don't miss out on the grace of God. Listen and obey and, and walk with God. Don't miss out on his grace. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never received the grace of God. Javen and Brittany showed great testimonies of just the fact that we just receive the grace of God by faith. As Brittany said, you know, for whoever calls the name of the Lord will be saved. She read the first few verses, either verses earlier than that. But it's all about just saying, God, I need your grace. Have you received it? Have you received it? Maybe some of you have been missing out on the grace of God. Maybe you've been in that kind of that Christian bubble, so to speak, of, well, I'm just going to do what's comfortable, and I'm not expecting God to do anything hard. I'm not saying that we look for pain, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying God brings things in. He's, he challenges us. He challenged Abraham, "Hey, leave your home and go do this." Maybe God's challenging you to do something, and you're like, but that'll be really hard. But if God's with you, who can be against you, right? I would say this about telling stories of grace, and is one of the biggest things we need to do is just start carve out time to spend in conversation with people. You know, we, 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 we structure our lives, right? We, we get our task lists, and we like, okay, I've got to get this, this, and this done, and And we think of conversations with people as just tasks to get done. I've got to get this task done. But do you just sit down with a friend for an hour and talk? Talk about what's going on. Let the conversation flow where it goes. Do you do that ever? I think if you're going to discover the grace of God in your life and in others' lives, you've got to kind of carve out some space for it you got to kind of say, you know what, let's see where this goes. Because you know what, that's not missing out on the grace of God, right? It's basically saying, let's see where this goes, God. Okay, I'm willing to follow you. Let's go. Do you take time just with your spouse, with friends, with neighbors to just say, you know what, no agenda. Let's just talk. How's it going? What's up? What do you like? What do you not like? (laughs) What's going on? Why? Because in the process, that's where you tell stories of the grace of God. That's where you're reminded of grace of God with others. It's usually not in our agendas. It's usually not in what we're trying to accomplish. Because God is usually not working (laughs) solely. Not that he doesn't use our activity. He does. But if you want to notice his grace, it's when he's shaking things up. When there's no exact plan and when you can sit down and say this is what's going on i don't know <laughs> but i do know this god is with me god is for me god is going to guide me god's grace is around me so tell stories of grace we need to do that with one another why because we all at one point are the weak knees the frail hands, we all get tired in the struggle. And we need to help one another out by focusing on the grace of God, not missing out on it and telling stories of grace. Will you do that? Heavenly Father, I thank you for Hebrews 12, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Because it's so easy to not endure, to miss out on your grace, to, to want to eject out of the difficult and challenging earthquakes of life and say, so I'll just find something easy and comfortable. But you are doing more in us to bless us, to see you more, to, to help others more. And so, Lord, help us not to miss out on your grace. Help us instead to tell stories of grace. For we are receiving a kingdom that can never be shaken or moved. We have this kingdom that is firm, and so we want to offer you acceptable worship because you are an awesome God, and your grace carries us, protects us, and guides us. We thank you for it. In your son's name we pray. Amen.